believe this is episode four of Football is Life, the Ted Lasso podcast from the Incomparable. And uh, it's a series featuring rotating hosts. And this week, I've rotated in. I'm your host, David J. Lore. And with me are three new teammates. Uh, I would like to introduce Heather Berberet. Welcome to the Incomparable. Thank you. So excited to be here. And also welcoming Keir Hansen. Welcome to the Incomparable. Thank you very much for having me. And of course, welcome back, Gene McDonald. I'm so glad to be here, Coach. I can hardly wait. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah. And uh, really. this week we're... <laughs> <laughs> it was that a joke? We're... I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know anymore. It's hard to tell. Um, this week we're talking about episode four, For the Children, which... Is a, is a wonderful refrain through the episode. It's it's kind of used as an epithet almost at one point, which is delightful. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will kind of step through the plot a little bit, but uh, we're probably just going to talk because if you're listening to episode four of a Ted Lasso podcast, you've seen it. Please tell <laughs> me you've seen it. Uh, so this episode is is set around a charity gala that the football team hosts every year, the football club. <laughs> mm-hmm. getting, getting into pants <laughs> in the boot territory. Um, and the the framework is, is sort of the typical day, like most of the episodes start with. Uh, but then it, it very quickly shifts to night. And one thing that, that is a problem right up front is that their guest, Robbie Williams, their special musical guest, has canceled at the last second. And uh, Rebecca is showing some nerves because she's never hosted this before. It was always Rupert before. And so she's trying to play calm. She's trying to say, oh, it's no big deal. It's fine. And, of course, it's not really fine, but we'll find that out later. Um, so... so uh, before we really launch into it, uh, what are your thoughts about the series in general? Uh. <laughs> we love it. We love it. <laughs> this this is a this series is a gift. I, I, I truly believe this is a gift for people who have been holding out positivity and optimism in the face of a year that tried to uh, pound the optimism right out of you. Mm. Uh, it arrived at just the right time, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll reference it, but uh, specifically this writing team, this this collaborative squad of five or six individuals who tend to spearhead most of the writing on this, waste nothing in the dialogue. Almost every line has some significance or value or, or, or just sheer entertainment to provide. Uh, it, it's, I love every minute of this show. Yeah, it's one, one of the things that kind of amazed me when I first heard about it, because I remember the original commercials that Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt were doing, and apparently the characters go back even further than that because they had been mm. fans for so long. And... When they brought in Bill Lawrence to help craft it into a sitcom, into a show, and, you know, he created Scrubs. He co-created Cougar Town. And, I mean, that alone said to me, okay, they're, they're not just doing a fish out of water. They're not just doing silly, oh, it's an American Britain. They're going to go for something a little deeper. They're going to go for humans having grown-up relationships and friendships. And it's... As much as I enjoyed those shows, this might be even better. <laughs> well, I mean, when you talk about it come, came at the right time, I actually did not watch it when it first landed because I thought uh, it's a sports thing. Not, I knew it was more than a sports thing, but sure. I thought it's for sure a dude thing. Like dudes talking about sports and life like together. <laughs> and one guy, I had a little bit of a uh, a worry when I just, you know, what little I had heard about Ted Lasso, the character, and like what little, you know, you could see from previews is that he was going to be a 
Forrest Gumpian type character that somebody mm. who didn't actually know what he was doing when he was doing it and you know mm. he was wise or uh, you know being there uh, Chauncey Gardner type what what a friend of mine used to call the Faulknerian idiot man child yeah and so kind of. and I'm not a I, I, I don't happen to be a fan of Forrest Gump um, nope. being there yes but <laughs> Forrest Gump no and I, I just you know as a uh, as a woman who works in the tech field, sometimes I just get my fill of, you know, boy fandom of, you know, I, all the comic books we have to watch and all the, <laughs> um, you know, great male characters who are out there. And, and, and I, I just, and I figured the female characters would be just like little cardboard cutouts. And, but you know, once it gets to a critical mass, I mean, it's like the first 10 people say it's wonderful. I'm like, I'm sure it's not. I'm not watching it. <laughs> but then when like 50 people say it, I'm like, okay, let's watch it. Let's give it a chance. And oh my God, I was completely bowled over. I had no idea it was going to to be kind of what I was expecting, but way, way much deeper and complex than I had any right you know, to expect from, and oh, I mean, you know, guy from Saturday Night Live, how deep could it be? And so, yeah, I, I oh, love yeah. it. I watched it. I rewatched <laughs> it. And then we said we were going to do the series. So I've re rewatched <laughs> up to episode four, because I assume we're not going to give spoilers be- beyond four. Hmm. Um, I, I wasn't planning on it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. giving some people the chance to who haven't watched it at all to catch up before the se- next season comes out. So like maybe maybe you're watching along with us. Yeah, that, that's, that's the, also good. I think that's the funnest kind of podcast to do. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I did not have Apple TV or Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus, <laughs> whatever whatever they call it. I Apple had enough TV streaming plus services. The service. <laughs> <laughs> I had enough services at the time, and I was like, uh, you know, whatever. And and their first round of shows didn't really bowl me over when mm. I had the free previews. So I was like, eh, I don't need this. And then one by one, Incomparables going, oh, have you seen Ted Lasso? Oh, you should see Ted Lasso. And then when several specifically said to me directly, you need to see Ted Lasso. And I'm like, all right, fine. You know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I trust you guys. Oh, my God, I fell in love right on the spot. That has to be indicative of a vast majority of the grassroots movement behind this fan base is people get dragged (laughs) towards it. Uh, No, I don't want to watch a football show. No, it's going to be sports ball. Please. Oh, this is adorable. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, this, this warms my heart. I have to go find 20 other people to watch this with me. Right. Because it's it's a show about humans. It's not about football. Mm -hmm. Right. As has happened with me for so many shows, head over, over heel, excuse me, head over feels just incessantly <laughs> twittered about it, right? It's like Telasso, Telasso, Telasso. And finally I'm like, well, I need to just give it a shot. And I agree, I all the same things you said, Gene. It's just gonna be some ball game with bros and why do I need that? And Kira, I'm with you too. It's like a gift. i it's my <laughs> latest you know, you must watch this now type of um, yeah. recommendation during when I'm talking to people. Yeah. So I just kind of am on the bandwagon with the rest of you guys. It's <laughs> it's just unalloyed joy by the end. It really it's is. Just, yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. And it's it has been a long time since I saw a series like that. You know, there are yeah. series I love, but something like this hmm, been a long time. Yeah. I was trying to equate it to a certain degree with The Good Place. Yeah. As sure. far as having having elements that really say, no, you can have positivity and uh, and a, 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 a daringly near Pollyanna look at things uh, and not get ground into the earth. But even The Good Place takes, uh, takes a bit of the gag from time to time at saying well no even those people will will suffer a few lumps along the way but it's the it's the redeeming quality of seeing them pick back up this one is sort of like the to me ted as sort of the the manifestation of it 
is that beacon that cuts through the fog. Yes. And it just you just get reminded of it over and over again that even, you know, granted, he has his stumbles, he has his baggage and, and so forth. We don't get much of that in this particular episode. But, uh, but as far as the, the wisdom that he gathers from that uh, and that he feels it is not necessarily a duty, but it is something that is just the right thing to do to impart that wisdom. In fact, I think he even references that in a line in this thing, wisdom not being wasted on those on, on the, who had the experience. You know, the uh, youth is wasted on the young, but don't let the wisdom of old age be wasted on you. Exactly. And that that's part and parcel of what makes this, you know, makes his little uh, hokey anecdotes not only bearable, but really endearing. Well, he's kind of, he's <laughs> relentless in his compassion, right? He's just exactly. absolutely yeah. relentless, which is something to aspire to, um, yeah. really. And, you know, the good place, because it takes place in a kind of fantastical realm, it creates a little bit of distance between us, the viewer, and what's happening there. Whereas there's a way that Ted Lasso is totally believable, right? Like the nasty divorce is believable, the goofy football coach is believable, the premier football league that's not really, I mean, um, team that's just not cutting it. Like all of that is really accessible in a way that the, you know, the I think the good place isn't. So there's a, a even, we're even closer to it um, mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, I think, the emotionality and the reflection of our own lives, the ways we do and don't see ourselves in all of these characters is also a pretty cool thing i thought oh yeah right mm-hmm. and i and i love the fact that you know like like one of my sons when we first saw previews for it was like oh what is he just ned flanders no right. he has a mustache but he's not ned flanders right right he's he is a dimensional human being and they start off where you know from in the pilot the first time you see him you kind of go well you know, maybe he's just a goody goody oh uh, you know and and you find that no, there is there is depth there. There are hidden hidden dimensions to him, and especially in this episode, yeah. uh, for instance, we get we finally get to meet Rupert after all this oh time with Anthony Stewart Head making a tremendous entrance as the most wonderfully louche, awful billionaire <laughs> you've ever seen, what? and yeah. Ted Ted basically sees right through him. Yeah. Right. Right. When he's that... not naive. He's not blinded. He's just, <laughs> oh, you're you're a terrible person. And okay, I get it. <laughs> right. When uh, when he walks in to that room, so the first time I watched it, you know, and I really didn't pay attention to whether I knew any of the cast, and I'm I was watching it remotely as I do every Monday night. I have a TV night with one of my best friends, and we were watching it together, and. I just said, oh, my God, it's Giles, because she's a Buffy. She and I were watched Buffy like when it was actually, you know, airing at the time. And, I, and it was like, oh, you know, he I mean, he kills that role. And, and he it's hard. I mean, it's really hard if you liked him, you know, for seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer to try to... Um, you know, flip it to like, oh my God, he's just like such an almost irredeemable character. And uh, I heard this, I don't know if anybody else saw it, but Apple did like a um, Ted Lasso cast, like Q&A with Patton Oswalt, like interviewing the stars. I don't think it's available um, beyond that, you know, sort of press uh, event that they did. But uh, Hannah Waddingham, who plays Rebecca, said um, when she first read with him, and he had, they were just reading, it wasn't like, you know, uh, even, I don't even think it was a rehearsal, and he looked <laughs> at the lines, and he just looked at Jason Sudeikis and said, oh my God, you prick or something like that like (laughs) you you know like just in a couple sentences this man is devastating and just re-watching it tonight I was really feeling the uh you know the 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 blows that Rebecca was feeling because they're so passive aggressive like always with the smile on his face I'm sure he never raised a hand to her he didn't have to 
Anyway. Oh, yeah. He was cutting he, as is. He may be, you know, the only character in Ted Lasso who Ted Lasso can't, like, do his thing on, like, or, or nor should he. And or doesn't as, want to. We as an audience don't, we can't like him, you know. He's just got no likable qualities, right? But in such true Ted fashion, he doesn't dress him down like anyone else would right. call right. him out for for being the, well, the type of person that he is. He finds a way to use that charm to step right past him. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, and leads beautiful. to what I think is kind of the crux of this entire episode, which is Rebecca's empowerment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, on so many levels. Um, and what I, I particularly loved about this this episode was that for Rebecca, this was this was an opportunity to to use vulnerability to an advantage. She had to actually embrace the fact that, okay, th- there are some things that that, I know are my weaknesses. I have been conditioned to break under these circumstances, typically around this one individual uh, or anything having to do with him or anything that he has once touched from his football club <laughs> to his fundraiser <laughs> to everything else. It's, it's, it is her, it's her point of fragility. But that being aware of that and, and being empowered by, by Ted overtly by Keeley very explicitly Um, and even to a certain degree by Rupert once the once the realization occurs and and Ted sort of imparts that you know you're not the only one who sees him for what he is that's this galvanizing moment Um, and it just it amazes me now going back and and seeing it again after watching the series maybe once or twice we're only three episodes in (laughs) Look at, or, you know, we're right. coming into, the, we're like maybe 10 minutes into the fourth episode and look how much has happened. Oh, yeah. I, and, I, and just everyone has grown. Mind. Everyone yeah. has grown. Like the one, of the, one of the things are short. I, well, yeah, <laughs> but they're not as short as a network TV episode. Like, you know, no, people have been saying, oh, these true. are like 22 episodes. No, they're like 31 minutes, 33 minutes. Yeah. And no Amazing what you can get done during a commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. One of the things I learned early as a playwright was that your protagonist has to grow from point A to point B. By the end of your story, by the end of your evening, they have to have changed. Otherwise, why are you telling the story? And this has so many characters, all of whom are growing. I mean, I I can't remember which episode it's in, but Ted says something about being, you know, becoming the best version of you you can be, right? That's part of his job. I guess it was in episode three. And and that's what this is about. This is about everybody finding those connections to support one another and finding their team, uh, which mm-hmm. is a really interesting thread for a show. You don't often see that as well thought out and as well implemented, right? We just go, oh, it's a workplace. They're a family, right? Mm-hmm. And we just go with that. And and this is showing everybody going through growth and change. And And, you know, for instance, seeing Roy growing into a leader and yeah. growing into someone who cares about other people. Uh, his reaction to a wrinkle in time is one of my favorite reactions to wrinkle in time. Um, I just howled, <laughs> you know, no, we, we don't need the explicit tag. No, 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 no. It was explicit. It was short. Quite a bit. Um, and loud. Um, but yeah. yeah, the, the, the fact that, they can make like in the first three episodes, Rebecca does have little glacial changes, right? She still seems like she's going to be the villain of the piece at first because she, she wants to ruin the team and ruin Rupert's loved club. And there, there are little glimpses, there are little cracks throughout Ted's kind of winning her over. And this episode is where it all breaks down where Mm -hmm. she realizes that, you know, maybe that was my plan before, but this is a really good person and I don't want to screw him up. Right? Mm. He's a supportive person. Well, she it... specifically she actually supplies the line to speaking to Rupert and she's she's just trying to say something for the sake of, of saving face, but she says uh, he's exactly what we needed. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I I don't know whether there is a there's a, a sort of a hitch in her reaction uh, to to the realization that once she says it out loud, she partially believes it or is coming to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just goes back to my just thinking that they th- this writing team does not waste a sentence. Oh not yeah. Not one. And and one of the hallmarks of a Bill Lawrence show is watching the characters think. You know, they're not just continual joke machines. They're not continually spewing dialogue. You get to see them think and come to realizations, which not a lot of shows let you do. Mm. One of the things I loved about this episode is there. there's this theme of disconnection and connection within the characters. So all of these relationships undergo fundamental changes. Uh, not so much Ted, but, you know, Keely and Jamie break up mm-hmm. right right keely and rebecca connect rebecca finally in some kind of very basic way lets go of rupert and connects with keely jamie and roy connect right so it's this kind of reshuffling of these connections that i think um like you said david are part of also their growth as people right by re by connect disconnecting and reconnecting they're it, it's that's part of their growth, in, um, which you really see in this episode how powerfully that happens. And I think that's cool. And of course, our main characters have more of that coming, but um, uh, because you don't see that so much here, but you do see this in these um, in, in these other players. And I, I loved that about this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, <clears throat> and it was definitely the episode that made me say, okay, they are not making, you know, the uh, female characters in this show, you know, stand by accessories to what's going on. I mean, uh, Keely especially is just a brilliant, brilliant character because she has so many, like, you know, stereotypes riding on her, yet Mm -hmm. she continually surprises you. And, I mean, from the beginning, like, I think from episode one but this one you know especially I just love I wish I had the nerve to uh do this myself as she at the end leaning over the bar and saying like hey can I take one of these can I take two (laughs) bottles of champagne and and then say like do you want to get really drunk to Rebecca and I mean you know, it's one bonding method, but also the rickshaw was, was uh, yeah. super funny and cute. And it just, um, but yeah, that it, it was not just a show about how men grow and women help them. It's also right. about women growing, you know, and, and, the, and the other thing I think about Rupert showing up in the series and the story arc is like, it, and that it being a turning point for Rebecca, you know, whether she was going to be the villain, which she certainly seemed, you know, destined for the first three episodes, is that we finally understand why <laughs> she wants to do what she wants to do, because there's no other way to wound that man. Um, right. And she thought of something that, you know, he does actually care about, and she wants to take it away from him um, and ruin it for him. I mean, whether, obviously, not a great uh, strategy in the long run, but it was (laughs) something, like, it suddenly clicked for me, like, why she'd want to ruin a team. I mean, I love in the first episode when she fires the old manager, who is, he is also pretty much a, a parody of just disgusting uh, sports misogynist guy um and of course he never returns um spoiler if for people who were hoping he would come back and be redeemed i don't think that happens wait what no (laughs) but when she did that i was like yeah she fired the guy she should she's in charge of the team now but then when it's revealed what her her end game is then it's like well that seems pretty mean and you know it's a it's gonna hurt more people than just Rupert but then when you meet Rupert and, well, it's like maybe maybe it's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> well he 
really provides her motivation, right? Like once yeah. you meet Rupert, Rebecca now becomes completely understandable. <laughs> complete, you just totally empathize with her. And it really mm-hmm. drives her character, right? It drives all the hardness mm-hmm. we saw at the beginning and um, and makes her so much so we can we can relate to Rebecca on such a deeper level once we understand <laughs> what and you know blankly blank uh, a Rupert was um, and uh, makes her so human and so relatable. And I'm sure their relationship was terribly abusive, right? I mean, just terribly, right. terribly yeah, abusive. Yeah, well, she says so, that he said what, you know, what to wear, what to eat. what, And, and it's yeah. like that really stings, you know, if you've ever been with a boyfriend or husband like that. Um, it you, you kind of forget like that low below the radar abuse you know which is like seemingly like i'm just trying to help you look better you know right. the kind, that kind the kind that stuff. shows no marks yeah. right <laughs> well and her her feet her her supreme anxiety around what dress to wear and whether she's too old to wear it. I mean, that's straight up Rupert, right? He clearly Mm -hmm. had told her for years that she was looking old and that she was not dressing right. And he just had worn her down so profoundly. And I think there's, and so that scene where she's taking photos and Keely's cheering her on. And I mean, and teaching her how to pose and teach her how to pose as hard as Rebecca had been up to that point. You just see this really soft, gushy, vulnerable, insecure woman that Rupert probably created, right, over his years of beating her down. So, yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant writing to bring Rupert in right then. And just, we, yeah, so good. And and especially in a moment where, yes, she's handled press conferences, but this is the first time she's really on show, right? She's got to do more than just welcome the reporters and send the reporters home, right? She's hosting an event, and she's got you know, and and even even her opening speech, Ted is like, well, you you know, uh, my my tip is you always make fun of yourself right at the beginning. <laughs> takes takes a lot of the tension. Oh my out. god, that was one of my favorite moments. We were there at the right. bar, and he and he says that to her, and she's like, like what? Oh my god, I love that. And Jason <laughs> Sudeikis did that so well. Yep, no, not gonna do it. I just loved it, and I love that you're, they had her say, "You're not gonna go there, are you?" You know, yeah, it was just that you're was, not gonna walk into that trap. Right, comedy gold. Loved it. I could. Watch that over and over and over again. Yeah, that oh. was very funny, and and the fact that she did open with, you know, the self-deprecating, but true, I'm yeah. not a hugger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that's so great about this episode is not just that Rebecca thaws with Ted, but she also finally thaws with Keeley, mm-hmm. and having having set them both up for terrible things in previous episodes that yeah. didn't that didn't eventually come to pass. Now she's realizing, Hey, these are actually two people who see through stuff and they understand stuff and they understand stuff about me that a lot of people don't understand. Well, Keely mm-hmm. and um, uh, Ted really kind of, uh, you know, tag team on Rebecca, right? They're both mm-hmm. relentless in their optimism. They're both <laughs> completely relentless in their pursuit of connection with her. And and honestly, who could resist either one of them? That she resists them for so long is kind of a miracle, right? Yeah. But I mean, who doesn't want Keely as their BFF, right? I'm like, bring right. me Keely, yeah, sure. please. Can I have a Keely in and my life? And that's just it. Ted's Ted's persistence uh, is because of his unbridled optimism. And Keely's is because she's just... She's so bold and 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 so fearless um, because of the fact that she. I, I would imagine that her backstory gives her very uh, sort of blue collar family origins mm-hmm. and things. You know, she's she's a, a bit of a kind of a salt to the earth background, and she's been given this opportunity in the limelight, and has said, "All right, I've earned this." This is mine. I've claimed it. I've got my finger on the pulse of it. But when they have that conversation, what I just want to refer to as just the martini conversation, is, is I think, really the, the sign of, of uh, Jamie Lee in the, in the writing project and some of the projects that she's worked on. So her contribution specifically to this, uh, to this episode, because it's, it's something where when, when the two of them are sort of sharing gentler moments and just having a laugh about things at the same time there is 
Keeley sort of sharing the fact that, oh, well, you know, when I was 18, I dated a 23-year-old footballer. I'm 30. I'm dating a 23-year-old footballer. <laughs> and sort of talking about vulnerability because she knows at that point she has gotten past Rebecca's defenses and can now share some of these things that, that put aside her brash boldness. It's this, it's this moment between the two that, that I think is, is absolutely perfect in, in showing both of these strong female characters that are saying that we can be stronger by acknowledging things that we have stumbled over and have used that as, um, as armament now. We have moved past that. We can acknowledge that. And it kind of leads me to think about, as, you're, as, as all three of you have mentioned, character growth. Keely might be a little further along that path than we realized. She yeah. may actually be, even at, at age 30, how charming, a 30-year-old <laughs> who is cognizant of her growth, um, but has, has recognized no, I've I've made some some kind of some bad calls along the way and I'm still learning and I'm still making a few mistakes from time to time. But to have her imparting wisdom on Rebecca is just it's a it's a fascinating dynamic to see well, they're, play out. They're really reflection I mean, they're opposites of each other, right? Because here's Rebecca, afraid of her body, afraid of not looking good. And I think another really amazing moment is Keely is so sexually confident and sexually free and does not buy into any of these sexual stereotypes of being a woman, right? So there's that moment right before they go to the gala and Jamie like takes <laughs> his shirt off and he's kind of wearing just the jacket without the shirt. And they kind of get it on and he kisses her and Keely's like, oh, no, uh-uh, down below. And yes. he's like, OK, yeah. right. And she's just completely fine with stating exactly what she wants sexually, doesn't blink an eye. And, you know, that's just one of those little moments, again, that speaks to she is her own woman. She's just she's her own woman and she's just not going to take it, you know. And then yeah. in the end of the evening, she's like tells him, you know, you're just not enough for me. Um, so. I just, I well, love her, and, really. I just love her. Yeah. She's amazing. And I mean, she, she says point blank, accountability is important. Because right. that's the other thread here is that, you know, uh, we've all made mistakes. I was married to that, to a man for 12 years who never took responsibility for any of them. Right? And, and, um, ah, damn it. Uh, Keely realizes that, oh, Jamie seems to have another girlfriend at the dinner, no less. And right. And, but he's, he's not going to own up to that. That's just part of branding. He's really smart. Right. And Mm -hmm. so accountability is an important thread in this. Is that Um, a line that Ted says first? Is he the one who initiates that? No, I think it was Rebecca. I think so. Yeah. Is it? Uh, Is he accountable? Like in the bathroom scene? Between Rebecca and right, and right. that's know, where like it first comes up, as far about, as I like, recall. Yeah, football players are, are, you know, there's a lot of pros. They're never accountable, they're, but they're yeah. never accountable. I don't know, but Ted probably was was the uh, original source of that um, angle. The and <laughs> and I like that little bit, you know, where she decides he's not accountable. It's because. Um, you know, <laughs> okay, now why can't I think of his name? Jamie's nemesis. Uh, Roy. Uh, right. Roy, right. thank you. I, I knew Kent was his last name, but it was like Brent was like in my mouth. Anyway, <laughs> Roy, who I adore, but when he says, don't do this, you know, playing, don't use me to uh, play. And don't, you know, don't use me in your little fight. Your little fight with your boyfriend. And she says, I'm sorry like just flat out and he, he says thanks and I'm like whoa that's you know and that's what and then Jamie's like why are you apologizing to him <laughs> like what are you in and that was that was it this it was is like, a teachable moment Jamie yeah. Teachable yeah. Moment. and that was that was the payoff yeah it was definitely that moment where she thinks like this is what we're talking about you know so there's nothing wrong with taking responsibility if you've done something you know, wrong or, or un, un ill-advised. So. And it's, it's interesting to, to set this, 
at you know it's not just that it's a charity gala it's a charity auction right (laughs) buy buy a date with one of our players and you have keely seeing this other woman named cheryl this older woman who you know well if if she pays more than three thousand for you you're gonna have to do something you're gonna have to do more than you want and and everybody's like what what no no and it's a joke (laughs) it's a joke right it's a joke and but she starts to think well she's she's a 30 year old dating a 23 year old and he's much more immature than a 23 year old right Mm -hmm. and and rebecca reflecting on where she is and her age and and there's just sort of this this other theme going on there of you know who am i and what am i doing here why you know what's going on here um which which i mean it kind of goes for ted ted's sort of facing why am i here and we still don't really know all the answers to that no mm-hmm. which is right. which is interesting i love how they're teasing that out yeah. um and and again you know giving what could be a buffoon a real depth and dimension yeah and can we talk about nate's strut oh, oh <laughs> yeah. don't strut let's the let the suit do it <laughs> let the suit do the strutting i thought that's really a good thing to remember oh. you know generally but you know i mean there's so little of nate in this episode but there's still so much like it's you know? this is probably one of my favorite nate episodes <laughs> <laughs> because i am I don't understand exactly why, but there are certain things that will get me to snort laugh when seen <laughs> on television. Um, watching someone, and this makes absolutely no sense. It probably is some sort of thing thing I need to go to therapy for. But <laughs> watching someone um, uh, nearly get sick, like when they get the, like the dry heaves or something, when it's done mm. in a comedic fashion, cracks me up. And watching someone do uh, spit something out. I don't know what this means. But watching Nate when he takes the sip of the martini and blurps it back into the cup, which then yeah. walks away in someone else's it's hand. Somebody, He's like, oh, thank you. so funny. Yeah. Fell off the couch. Oh. That's just like a brilliant, like, you know, setup, directing, physical, acting. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, I, he's, I laughed hysterically. He's a delightful, delightful writer and actor. Uh, I've seen him on all kinds of British shows and on BBC radio shows. And it's so wonderful to see him here because this is a perfect character for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I love his strut. I love his, I love the moment where he, he goes up to Roy at their table and, <laughs> and he's saying, you know, thank you for telling them not to beat me up anymore. And Roy is like, why are you so close to me? Why is your face so close to me? He's like, well, I, I was going to hug you, but then I chickened out. And then there's like the perfect <laughs> he hugs beat. Him anyway. And he hugs him anyway. It's just like, oh, oh. And the yeah. looks on their face is like, all right, done. <laughs> yeah, that's what you know, did. Nate is such an important character in this show because everybody else that Ted interacts with has some kind of power bigger than his, right? Rebecca's the owner. Kearley's famous for being almost famous. All of these famous football players. But Nate, Nate's just like the guy in the locker room. And Mm -hmm. Ted treats him in the same way he treats everybody else, right? So as soon as we, that, that first time we see Ted interact with Nate, we know there's something different about this guy. There's an authenticity <coughs> here. There's a value system here um, that I think then trans, you know, that is one of these really important threads to his character throughout the the whole show. And of course, this is just more of that. He like takes Nate to get a suit, right? Because he's like, dude, no, this is not it, happening. It this fit. is not going to happen. <laughs> we need to fix this now, you know. Um, um, and I and I I'm very sad that we did not get to see the Nate picking out a suit scene because you yeah. know that is friggin' hysterical, <laughs> and it's very sad oh, to me yeah. that we didn't get that yeah. scene because I would have enjoyed that a lot. I'm pretty impressed well, that that Ted even knows that his suit didn't fit because I looked at him and I thought he looks okay. You know, so I, I mean, I'm no fashion uh, maven at all, but I thought, you know, that was an interesting Ted Lasso piece piece of, uh, you know, wisdom well, that he had. It's interesting knowing that he does have a wife and son at home and 
he's very fatherly and he gets to show that off a little bit with Nate this time. Yeah. Right. Because Nate and Nate says explicitly, I thought I'd borrow a suit from my dad and you know, it just, it doesn't fit. And Ted is like, I don't know. We'll take care of you. It's fine. <laughs> you know, and he goes and buys him a suit, which that's adorable. Uh, and Nate, Nate is a great innocent. Innocents are just wonderful characters in comedy when done well. He's mm-hmm. the innocent, but he is also the unfettered voice of truth. Right. Yes. As a, Absolutely. So the the fact that everyone else has such hangups that they're going to give Ted some filtered or flat out fabricated variation on what's going on or what he needs to know, at time after time after time, Ned just turns his head ninety degrees to the right, <laughs> looks at <laughs> looks at Nate. Nate says, "No, this this is this is this is really what's going on," and there's the truth, and he can rely on it a hundred percent of the time. That's a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an oracle. That's exactly <laughs> oh. what I was thinking here. He's like, Nate is the oracle of the team. It's, it's very Shakespearean. Yeah, and the only yeah. person who takes him seriously is Ted. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of my favorite lines in an earlier episode is when when it's we're, we're getting the suggestion box. And he goes, yeah, I made it with my niece. And he goes, I love these glimpses into your personal life. Just this wonderful <laughs> aside. Just, you know. Oh, and Sudeikis, Sudeikis sells those asides so well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a, another little character in this episode is the busker, right? Um, yeah. Who is oh, sure. so uh, Cam, Cam Cole. Cam something. Cam something. Cam Cole. I had to look him up. Cam something. He's, that's really him. That's his name. He's oh. like this super famous busker. He plays all those instruments himself. And I was just so impressed with the music. I'm like, I want to get up and dance. Like, this is good. Uh, he's the next Ed Sheeran. I was just really yeah. impressed that, you know, he's a real guy. By the same token, I looked up Robbie Williams because I didn't know who he was. Oh. And I was, yeah. Do you all know who he is? I don't yeah. know who he is. Uh-uh. He, he t- I mean, you know, let me just say, like, I, I, I would have been glad to have Cam over yeah. Robbie. Um <laughs> Just Robbie is on... an entertainer, right? I mean, like... this is—you you take an event like this, like this charity auction kind of function, where there's a lot of money flowing and mm-hmm. a lot of people celebrating the fact that they are affluent enough to be able to. That—that that is that is prime milieu for a yeah. Robbie Williams show. Okay, I'm well, looking him sort of... up right yeah, now so I can up. see his picture. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> I think like, he used to be in a boy I... band. And then yeah, he broke, but he's broke not a boy anymore. He's not a boy and I anymore. Thought it, I thought, of course, Rupert is friends with him. Like, yeah. not. I mean, obviously, he's not because Robbie is real and Rupert is not. But <laughs> that he would, it just seemed like they were like sort of in the milieu of like we know what sells, we know how to sell it, like, and we can entertain and win the crowd over. Um, that is my very unresearched um, opinion having listened to one song uh, <laughs> streaming and read his Wikipedia article I thought huh that's an interesting well, choice that they and- they said this a person who really exists I mean I wonder if he was was uh, flattered or insulted well his picture <laughs> on Wikipedia is of him singing at the opening of the 2018 FIFA World Cut Cup right. in a red <laughs> red leather leopard suit so there mm-hmm. we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and and he's dangled as a carrot throughout the episode, right? right. The mm-hmm. episode starts where he's canceled, and then Rupert, once he shows up, he's like, you know, I I bet I could just text him. We're such good friends. I could I could get him here in a heartbeat, and that's how Ted realizes. Gee, if if you're such good friends with him, you could probably text him and have him canceled, didn't you? Yeah. And there's that sort of unspoken, like Rupert has a moment of, I've underestimated you. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's a, again, a lovely piece of character thinking acting that we get to see. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a funny, you know, the music in Ted Lasso is so important um, oh, yeah. throughout. Well, and it was funny that they had this, this character who, off screen, who was real, and I thought, I wonder how they picked him. <laughs> and it, but he seems to fit, right? And but what does that mean? <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting. Music is is again a hallmark of Bill Lawrence shows. 
Yeah. It was very important in Scrubs. It was very important in Cougar Town. And in Cougar Town, uh, his wife, who was a recurring character on Scrubs and then a regular on Cougar Town, uh, his wife, Krista Miller, was the music supervisor for the show. And they mm-hmm. found all kinds of just perfectly pitched songs for the stories. And she's she's one of the two music supervisors for Ted Lasso, which explains so much. That is my dream job. Yeah, right? <laughs> it really is. Find <laughs> find the zeitgeist of every single episode or every every scene sequence and and find the, the song to score it. Uh what a gig. I what mean, a that's, gig. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things in theater when when I was producing was to design all the the music for the pre-show the intermission find the right songs for the show whether it was my mm-hmm. own script or not and if it was my own script i already knew what songs i wanted because right mm-hmm. they inspired the scene you know it's what you were listening to when you wrote it yeah. right <laughs> and and so but i but i love pairing music or, or building uh you know 30 minutes of music before the show to put you in the mood for the show right, right. Yeah. and if and if you go back the second night and you listen you go oh it's actually had something to do with things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so much fun. The title of this episode in particular is something that I will continue to tumble like a Rubik's cube for some time. Mm. We talk about you know music supervisors having such a fascinating job. There's also that one individual who gets to pen, wh- whether it be the, the the lead writer or what have you, gets to pen what the title. The, the after all working titles have been done and dusted, right? Whatever the title is that that goes to production, and how for the children the phrase for the children <laughs> applies to so many things in this episode mm. from the obvious to referring to the 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 bickering between jamie and roy mm-hmm. acting like children <laughs> to rupert who is an arrested development rich baby man <laughs> who apparently just can't you know uh, can't find his his emotional maturity to to keely sort of realizing that she has has put aside some childish behavior and and now a- accountability being the thing that both impresses her and drives her um, allows her to move past childish mistakes and then even sort of like the, the little tiny ancillary in this coach beard yeah i, I thought you were gonna say that <laughs> yeah with his yeah. you know you, you made that mistake again you let the game get the best of you yeah. You're still playing games like a kid. Hold on, here. The game over game the dame. Over the dame. That was a great yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. No. I wasn't gonna say. It. I, I say the dame. I hate using the phrase it's dame. Okay. Anyway. He said it. But yeah, that's just it. It applies on so many levels. It just every time. I almost wish I know many series make the choice of whether or not they're actually going to put the episode title anywhere visibly on screen before. Oh you. yeah. Um, I almost wish this was there mm. because this is something where if you just saw that flash in the in the lower third as things get started and then you watch it unfold, you're like, oh, oh, that's what it means. Oh, no, that's <laughs> what it means. Oh, no, that's what it means. And you could do that all night long. I mean, the, the nice thing with, with streaming is we do get the title in True. some form. But yeah, yeah I, I really wish most shows would give you the title as part of the episode because, yeah. I, I love for me naming something is very important and every now and then after I've named something I'll I'll say hey, you know that's there's a better title for this script or this story but usually the title that kind of stuck is the one that pushed it forward and and yeah I love I love when you can ring changes on the title and it and it applies to everything mm-hmm. right that's oh there's a reason I like being a writer. I know. <laughs> shocking. Shocking. Um, let's see. Is there anything we've left out? Um, Always I do... wear shirts when eating soup. Yes. <laughs> it was. 
that was a great touch for get you know Jamie to get his comeuppance with his stupid fashion idea. By continuity, though, I expected him to have like a little bit of a red mark or <laughs> something <laughs> on his chest afterwards. It was really nice. I think the movement between Jamie and Roy uh, when they're at yeah. the bar and they're like, "Okay, let's do this yes. thing." I think that was quite well done because it would have been very easy for that to be not heartfelt like not like we it, i think it'd be very easy for us to believe it because it was ridiculous or it'd be easy to believe it because it didn't really happen but gosh i think those actors did a beautiful job in that moment and to find mm. their way towards just a just enough vulnerability with each other to form a little connection to find some grudging support and then they're done in the ways of boys like that right it's okay we're, we're good <laughs> we've shown our souls and we're done never to be repeated you know um and, so that was well and I, done I, I, I love how, you know, and again, Bill Lawrence does this, where characters swerve out of the, the tropes you expect. They swerve out of the the uh, things we assume about them, where, you know, they get to the end of that scene where, where Roy has said, yeah, there was there was an older player when I was starting out. And, uh, yeah, we just we just had to figure it out and get along. And that was that. And then finally, Jamie says, so are you, you still friends with that guy? He goes, oh, no, I wish he was dead. I, or I hope I hope he's dead. That was it. I hope he's dead. Right. Yeah. They and they end that nice little oh. veer out of their lanes by 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 coming back with a bottle clink and you know here's to your death. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Right back where we were. Yeah. No. That was that was a, um, with Jamie saying he had Roy's poster when he was a boy. You know, even though they didn't end up being like, oh, I love you, man at the end it was like he those two guys won't forget the what they had you know exchanged on this night and uh right. you know for both of them it's you know and a point where as the series progresses you know they're gonna uh, they're gonna be you know reper not repercussions but uh um they'll build upon that character moment for both of them vulnerability is um is kryptonite to both of them mm-hmm. yes um and and finding out exactly why well we might be more invested in finding out why roy is than than jamie because jamie is just a <laughs> just a brat just, he, he's just horrible um but uh but yeah that's uh th- that idea of, of of finding the chinks in the armor is just fascinating and again, I just God, this is only episode four. <laughs> What's going on yeah. here? And amazing, all of these things. I, I should mean, not we, be this invested. We've, de- <laughs> we've described so many nuggets and conversations and and jokes and and revelations, and still in thirty one minutes they put it all in there, and it wasn't. It didn't feel rushed at all. So. I think this episode no, really fills the sails of all the characters. And it's this is where their trajectories, I think, really take off, right? We get, mm-hmm. we get um, you know, the this, this setup for where we're going and uh, just brilliantly done. And I just, you know, it's, it's, it's been a rough year, if people haven't noticed. And um, <laughs> it's, I think I feel so good... When I'm when I'm talking to someone who's had a really difficult time and is struggling, and it's been hard to recommend distracting media that doesn't like play on some darkness somewhere, you know. And mm-hmm. I think I'm so appreciative of the joy and the love and the compassion and the lightness and the humor of this show. And I feel super comfortable recommending it to people to say, "Look, you just are going to laugh. You don't need to worry about anything." No trigger warnings here. You just go and have a good time. And I'm just super grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's nice to have something that I can recommend to just about everyone, except maybe children. Not um, so much the kids, yeah. 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 <laughs> Not so much the kids. My kids could handle it at this point, but even so. Yeah. <laughs> my my I, kids I, could always curse like sailors. There, you know, there are relationship issues, I think, that... I mean, this is the beginning of really seeing them, but also as they, they evolve in the next few episodes that, uh, I mean, people cry when they watch the show and yeah. part, it's not only they're, 
laughing so hard they're crying. I mean, that I I I did watch it with a friend who was divorced not lo- that long ago, and that you know what Ted is trying to to uh, navigate with his wife and kid back home is it, it could get to you. So I I wonder how much of that comes from Sudeikis's own experience mm-hmm. too. Because, yeah. you know, they've been through that. I I know someone who's been through a very similar relationship, maybe not the same monetary level, but but a similar relationship <laughs> to Rebecca. And, oh, yes. And yes. I said, you really should give this a try because I think you will get a lot out of that character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. She's still dubious because she's like, oh, it's a show about sports. I'm like, no, no, it really isn't. <laughs> it's really not. It's a show about sports the way 30 Rock was a show about what goes on stage yeah. on, on right. the comedy show. Right. Or about what Cheers was serving in the drinks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What's what's this week's drink special? That doesn't matter. Stop <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. There's very little soccer playing in this soccer show <laughs> or football much, show. I much say. more chess, honestly. There's about an equal amount of chess. <laughs> yeah. Mental chess. Uh, dorks. Yeah. I was yeah. I was trying to say, you know, if if you think you need to know football to watch this show, you need all you need is as much as Ted knows at the beginning of the series. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. They do do a great job of, of educating their American audience about football oh yeah right because yeah yeah because yeah. ted's just like clueless so it's so natural for explanations yeah, to be true. offered you know yeah, that's true. well about the game and also about how league structure works right. and yeah. right you know, and right. the competitive brackets and, and qualifications and things like that because that's that's something where you know you might understand well let, let's put our american hats on for a moment what well, you know about soccer <laughs> you know, it takes you so far, but as soon as someone starts talking Premier League or or this cup and that cup, but wait a second, you can have the same team that competes in different leagues yeah. based on what? <laughs> what? Uh, but yeah. some of that gets broken down for you. And I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more. Well, <laughs> even uh, Coach Beard and Ted have the conversation at the beginning, like the boot is the trunk and the biscuit is the, co-, you know, yep. um, which I appreciated. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand the offsides rule, so. <laughs> no. no. Season two. Season two. Gene, I guess you just know it when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about Higgins, but I might get confused oh. and start talking about Magnum. Um, okay, people help so. me. What else has Higgins been in? Because every time I Down- see him, it makes me crazy. Oh, Downton. <laughs> Downton Abbey. Oh, yep. Was, uh, yep. Thank the you. Butler, or, uh, God, butler yes. Thank you. Dowager. Yes. Uh, yes. Countess, and he was good and a little slimy. In he was that, slimy, but yeah. He's, I love Higgins. And, yeah. You know, of course, the Higgins... Uh, story arc just gets better and better all the way to the end and like when they show you more and more of his family but even in uh you know uh, was it this one where he's like at home and he's like no i'm in the office i'll be right there like that kind (laughs) of like just obsequious yes man kind of thing and and uh, and the eye roll from the one child as, yeah. as the camera pans across yes all those kids and he seems to have a very nice life and what a terrible job it seems he's had for the, these uh years except that I mean, he's it, f- working for a football team so that's that was the the uh, line early on i guess it's in in the first episode where she introduces him as her current director or something. <laughs> and there's that split second of current yeah. what <laughs> and it was just so nicely done. He expresses so much with a blink. He yes. Really, <laughs> and, and when he cuts, uh, you know, he he cuts loose and dances like it's also like Coach Beard dancing. You know, it's like let me. I want more of that. <laughs> yeah. You gotta love a show that has a dance break. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so that's where I know him from is Downton Abbey. I'm sure he's been in. A bunch of other things and 
Um, but he he was weirdly memorable from Downton Abbey because <laughs> it was sort of a side part, but he was a, a bit devious. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, no spoilers I, I, for Downton Abbey here. <laughs> <laughs> I I do like that he's he's kind of the first chink in the armor for mm-hmm. Rebecca of of going. This guy's a really nice guy. I don't yeah. I don't want to hurt this guy, right? And in this, he's he's fully teaming up with Ted to to mm-hmm. find a musical guest and then they actually go and bring in the busker and forget yeah. the rest I'm going with the best yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a great line and 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 he warms to it immediately the the, <laughs> the any opportunity to get sort of some recognition of his effort not necessarily his ability but just effort <laughs> a for effort right right um it, it just just brings him to a whole new level so all right. Well, I th- I think we've probably covered everything. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to grab some bottles of champagne and climb in a rickshaw. And <laughs> <laughs> I almost made a martini for this session. I I, <laughs> I came very very close. I, I will say, I'm never going to look at a martini olive the same way no, again. Well, no. Um, I know some men who are not going to be able to find martini olives, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but yes, as as we ride off into the the uh, darkening darkening midnight after the party I will thank Jean McDonald and Heather Berberet and Keir Hansen for joining me to talk about Ted Lasso thank you all thanks for having thank me thank you David that was great this has been Football is Life and I believe we're done <laughs>